Welcome back to another College Hoops Mania podcast episode. I'm super excited to be back with you guys again today. And as always, it was another crazy week. Just a reminder, you are currently listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Before I get into this week's content, I need to go over a few things first. If you listen to this show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, subscribing to this or following it is extremely helpful to me, as well as leaving a rating and review if you listen to this on Apple Podcasts. It just gets the show out there more to people, uh, builds the popularity of it, and that's my goal here. I'm just trying to get more and more people to listen to it, uh, broaden my audience. Secondly, if you are on Instagram or Twitter, you can follow me at chmpod on both of those, chmpod. Uh, I post more on Instagram, and on Instagram I'll post some some graphics of the final scores, and then I'll also put my takeaways and analysis in the caption. So Instagram is probably more helpful to follow me on, except, I mean, Twitter you can follow me too. I will tweet some throughout the week. But I am more active on Instagram. And lastly, I also have a Patreon account, and you can find me looking up my name, Wes Troyer, or looking up the podcast, College Hoops Mania. Patreon is just a place where you can donate whatever you want. Any donations uh, I'd be very appreciative of. Uh, as little as $1 doesn't matter. I'd be very thankful for any donation that you'd be willing to give. All donations will be used to uh, help the podcast, you know, better, get better equipment, stuff like that. So without further ado, let's get right into the show today. First things first, I was fortunate enough to be able to interview Hall of Fame sports writer Dick Weiss, also known as Hoops. Dick Weiss, like I said, in the National Sports Writer Hall of Fame, He's also wrote in, uh, I believe, 16 books, and some of those he co-wrote with with uh, coaches such as Dick Vitale, John Calipari, and Rick Pitino, and he also wrote a tribute tribute book to Mike Krzyzewski. Um, he's a terrific sports writer, and he's been covering the game for a really, really long time. And so without further ado, here's my conversation with Hall of Fame sports writer Dick Weiss. I'm excited to welcome a very special guest to the show today, Hall of Fame sports writer Dick Weiss. Dick, how are you doing today? I'm good, Wes. How are you? I'm doing great today. You getting excited? <laughs> getting super excited. <laughs> Last day of the regular season. Yeah. You know, if the NCAA tournament is anything close to what we saw in, the, in, in these last two weeks, I mean, it's going to be must-see TV. I mean, it, the last two weeks have been unbelievable. I mean, mm-hmm. especially in the Pac-10 and the, and, and the Pac-12, every game seems to go down to the last minute. Oh, oh, for sure. Th- those leagues, those leagues are terrific this year. Um, and I, I guess I said last day of the regular season, but they've been saying some mid-majors might be able to schedule some games late, like teams who had their conference tournaments early. So, like a St. Louis, I guess, could still have some regular season games here. But you know, you know what? I'm, what what interests me the most is what's going to happen to the NIT West mm-hmm. because it's a sixteen team at large tournament. You wonder if some of the teams that don't make the NCAA tournament feel like Duke. You wonder if they would accept invitations. So, I mean, I hope it opens the door for some of these mid-majors to get a chance. Teams like Belmont, who lost to more Morehead mm-hmm. State, more State, they had been the best team in their conference all year long, and then they got smoked yesterday uh, 
by Belmont. So they're probably not going to be in the brackets with 26 wins. Uh, I hope that the selection committee is smart enough to at least look at them as a possibility for inclusion. The thing that scares me a little bit is the fact the NIT is going to be played in Texas. Uh, and I worry uh, a little bit about the fact that there uh, there are so many teams. It, it, there's such a liberal policy there. I hope the NCA can keep these teams in a bubble so no so nobody ends up uh, uh, testing positive if they go down there. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. A so good let's point. talk about what you want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So my first question I have for you today is. It's kind of like before we get into talking too too much about college hoops. Can you tell us like a little bit about your background? Absolutely. I uh, I uh, grew up in right outside of Philadelphia. I've been going to the Plester since I was ten years old to watch the college basketball games. So journalism major, Temple. I spent uh, twenty years at uh, in Philadelphia, and then I went to New York. And I spent 21 years at Daily News as a national college basketball and football columnist. And I probably spent more of their money than they probably would like to admit during the time I was there. But it was as good a job as anything, uh, as, as any job I've ever had. They, they never said no. So they sent me all over the country. Uh, I've written 16 books. I've been to, this is the scary part, 47 Final Fours. Uh, and um, I was lucky enough to get into the uh, college sports writers. I mean, the, the National Sports Writers Hall of Fame uh, down in uh, North Carolina uh, a couple of years ago. And um, this year, I haven't been to a game live because of the pandemic. Uh, the last game I went to, West was the uh, second round of the Big East tournament. And halfway through... Uh, uh, the noon game, uh, uh, they call it. Uh, they called a press conference and did what everyone else had already done, canceled the tournament. And uh, I tried to get the first train out of there uh, that day. As I'm walking out of the building, they're trying to hush everybody out of the building. Chris Fallon, who helps run the building, comes to me and says, "You know, they've already had two kids, two ushers test positive." for COVID and you know how crazy it got in New York. I mean, last spring, I mean, uh, so I was glad to get home, but that's the, believe it or not, it's the last game that I've gotten a chance to see. Uh, I, um, I finally started getting my shots and uh, I get my second one on Wednesday. So I am going to be, uh, I'm going to feel safe going to another final four at the end of the month, right out in Indianapolis. I mean, uh, it's going to be different this year. I mean, limited fans, no real personal contact with the coach and the players, but uh, I feel like I don't want to miss this streak now because my ultimate goal is probably to get to 50 final fours before I uh, turn into a patron of the arts. That'd, that'd be an awesome number to get to. So what was the, so you said you were at that second round or was it like, was it Creighton St. John's, the game that got canceled? It was. Very yeah, good. So, good memory. <laughs> thanks. What was the, uh, what was like the vibe there that day? Cause like everyone else. Well, you know, they were down to 500 people a team. They had really cut it down. They let the media in, but you know, stupid us. We had no idea that you weren't supposed to, there was supposed to be social distancing or people were supposed to wear masks. But when I got to New York, 
we're walking up to the hotel, my wife and I, and uh, we saw four people with ma- with with masks walking down a, a, a Broadway, and I am, I'm, you know, I didn't think anything of it because no one else had masks on it. Uh, then the, we knew there had been an outbreak in New Rochelle, which is where I own it, was was located, but we had no idea of the extent that this thing had hit New York and it, it had probably been there a lot longer than we thought. But you know what, there was sufficient enough panic and caution to realize that when it's time to go, it's time to go. So um, we, ca- we caught a, uh, a five o'clock train back to Philadelphia. And uh, from there, I've just been kind of inside. It, I feel like I, two, this, it's kind of a two-sided coin this year. I probably feel I know more about the field than ever before because I'm locked into my house and the only thing you can do is watch the games on TV. I mean, you can't. For a long while, they wouldn't even allow they they wouldn't allow any fans into uh, college events in Philadelphia. Uh, they they completely locked down. Now people are starting to open up a little bit, but the season's over, and I'm not going to take that chance until I get fully vaccinated. Yeah, I got you. That's understandable for sure. So. Yesterday was a pretty big day in the sport. There were some interesting yes, results. What what game or result or performance stuck out to you the most yesterday? I think the Illinois-Chicago State – I mean, uh, the Ohio State game stuck out to me because it probably locked in a fourth number one seed to Illinois after they won in Columbus. I think it had they lost, I mean, it would have kept Ohio State alive for the other one bid, but – you know the way the way the way it ended up. Illinois has played very well down the stretch. They got Michigan last week. They got Ohio State this week. I I, I was happy to see Desumo play for uh, uh, for Illinois yesterday. Uh, I, you always worry any time a player gets hurt. Um, and uh, I know he had I know he had a mask, but uh, he and um, Kofi Coburn and, um, and 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 Andre Corbello, the freshman point guard, all had uh, sensational games. The other team game that really stood out for me was was the Villanova game because they not they uh, against Creighton last Wednesday they lost their best player. Um, uh, Colin Gillespie, I think, will probably still be the Big East player of the year. Uh, Villanova had uh, beat Creighton to win the championship, but they lost uh, their, the heart and soul of the team for the rest of the tournament. Then yesterday, they're playing at Providence, and they lose another starter, Justin Moore, who had been Gillespie's backup. So now they're going into the Big East tournament with a third-string point guard, Ryan Dia, Ryan Arch's little brother, Chris, is playing that position. Yeah, yeah, I feel really bad for Villanova. I mean, that it, really tough week here. Our Jay's a, Jay Wright's a really nice man. We've been friends for about thirty-five years. You would you would like him a lot. He loves his kids, and they don't they don't cut corners. And the kids, I would say, the bulk of them graduate 
after their time in school, particularly if they stay four years. He's starting to produce multiple pros now in the last uh, four or five years. And uh, I I don't know that they had a team that was good enough to play with Gonzaga or Michigan or, or, or even Baylor, but I think they had an outside shot to get to a Final Four if they were completely healthy and shot threes, which his teams, by the way, usually do in March. I mean, when they uh, when they won the tournament in 18, they won all their games by double figures, and uh, they made multiple threes in every game down the stretch, including 18 against Kansas in the national semifinals in Houston. So this team had that type of three-point shooters. They they can go off the rails, which is what they did against uh, Butler uh, last weekend when he shot two for 27 from the three, which is probably the worst performance I've ever seen by a Jay Wright team. But normally they'll give you double-digit threes and it makes them dangerous because they can score from multiple positions. But now I think that uh, they're in for a tough haul and that Big East tournament is suddenly wide open. Yeah, it sure is. The Big East tournament could honestly have a it could have a bid stealer in that, and good, good. Well, they have Big East. I guess like Villanova's a lock and Creighton's a lock, but then after that, it's you know you got some bubble teams there. So you do. I mean, I, and, and and what what's interesting is sadly uh, the quarter uh, the uh, second round uh, this year uh, is uh, a. Uh, no, I guess it's a quarterfinal of St. John's versus Seton Hall. So one of those teams is going to get knocked out. But this might be the type of year where Connecticut or St. John's m- might be able to pull it off. I I don't know that Villanova has enough bodies and enough depth to get as deep into the tournament. I think Creighton's good, but they've had their own distractions recently with uh, some of the remarks that the coach made in the locker room. But uh, I think that I think that uh, UConn and, and and St. John's may be teams that are playing on a hot streak at the right time, and that's usually what wins in that in that particular league. Right, I, I forgot to say UConn. UConn's also a lock. They have three. They're, well, now they have Boakwright. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it's changed a lot of things. Wes, mm-hmm. those are the top. Those the top three teams there are, are definitely getting in. Right. Uh, I don't know how high a seed that uh, that UConn is going to get, but if they were to uh, run the table now and win the tournament, they could probably be a five. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, the committee will evaluate them with Book Knight, and if they were to do that, then obviously they're a very different team with Book Knight in the lineup. Boy, they, are, they really are. I'll be interested to see how the committee deals with Villanova. I mean, technically, they're probably a three no matter what happens. But if they look and say, well, Gillespie and Moore aren't going to play, who knows what's going to happen next? Yeah, it it could – Villanova, I mean, it's probably going to be difficult for them to get out of the first weekend at this point. I think you're probably right. Yeah. So the next question I have, Baylor, <laughs> Michigan, Gonzaga, the consensus one, one through three. Right. You can throw Illinois in that mix if you think they're necessarily on that level yet. But those three teams, how it, like not based off body of work, just how good you think the team is, what would you rank them one through three? That's a really good question. I, I would have thought before Michigan played Illinois last Sunday 
that they were the type of team that could do some serious damage to anybody they played against. But there's a reason Gonzaga's unbeaten. Everybody looks at their schedule and, and uh, they say, oh, they play in the WCC. But, you know, the December schedule that they had and the wins that they got over Kansas, West Virginia, and Iowa added up pretty quickly to a pretty good body of work. And they have three guys who were probably going to be on somebody's All-American team, Kispert, Timmy, and, and, and Suggs, and probably will be drafted fairly high if they decide to go out. out. I could see Suggs going in the top five easily as a, as a freshman point guard. Nobody plays better defense in this tournament than Baylor. I think they're. I think in, in March you usually win with guard play, and if you can take guard play away, it gives you a huge advantage. And if you look at the Baylor team, they have two players on that team, um, uh, Vital and I, I guess David is it Davison is it, uh, that could be uh, candidates for national uh, defensive player of the year, and they have. Another guard, Jared Butler, who probably will be the Big 12 player of the year when it's all said and done over Cade Cunningham. So, I mean, I like teams that in, in a COVID year, you like to have teams that have guard play and you like to have teams that have enough experience at key spots. They can do some damage. I mean, you know, you can really – as for Michigan, when they play well and share the ball – they're a really dangerous team because the top four teams in the Big Ten this year could very easily be uh, two ones and two twos. And to win that league with and, and to come out of it with only two losses if they win today against Michigan State would be very unusual. I mean, they I love their size. I mean, Wagner's a pro. Uh, Hunter Dickinson is – legitimate seven one. I mean, the only person that I saw who can really move him around is, uh, is, is, is Coburn from, from, from Illinois. I mean, and they, and they've got people at specific spots like Eli Brooks and Livers who can really hurt you with either dribble penetration or shooting threes. Yeah, I I'd agree with that about Michigan. Michigan might not have the, the same firepower like scoring wise at the guard positions that Baylor and Gonzaga does. Right. But they're, but they're very balanced and they really don't have any weaknesses. So. No, I, you know, I think he's done a really good job with them. I, I think he's going to get an awful lot of consideration for national coach of the year, Dwan Howard. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know how you feel about that, but yeah. he's done a pretty good job. I, I agree. I, I've, bet he's probably the favorite right now to win that. I would think you're probably right. I, you know, look, the the guys that finish unbeaten are number one. Usually the coach doesn't get nearly of the amount of credit they deserve. Take a look at football. I mean, Nick Saban at Alabama, he can't do a much better job than he did. Mark Few is won 82% of his games and is going to finish unbeaten um, going into the tournament. I mean, you know, a lot of those guys, sometimes people overlook them because they always look for the surprise pick. For a long while, I really thought that Bob Huggins could make a run at that uh, at that award because they had lost 
their starting center to Kentucky at midseason. He had to change everything they did. And he changed his entire philosophy to play four out and one in and had pretty good success with it. But I think it's going to come down to, to, to Howard. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Let's touch on Oklahoma State a little bit. So Oklahoma State yesterday won at West Virginia without Cade Cunningham and without Isaac amazing. Likely. What are your thoughts on the Cowboys and what do you think they're seeing? Well, it's not so much my thoughts. It's what's the NCAA thoughts on the Cowboys. I mean, if they can get to the tournament without this appeal being settled and it will allow them to play, they're a team on the rise. I mean, winning at West Virginia and getting 32 points from a sophomore guard who hadn't really been a focal point of what they did. They're so reliant in the past on Cunningham and Caleb Boone that I had no idea that they had other weapons until yesterday. But they, they, they really hurt West Virginia in the paint, and they hurt them outside too. I mean, it, it was a sensational win and probably points out just how good a job Mike Boykin has done with that team. Yeah, no doubt. And, like, they've Oklahoma State played another game without Cade Cunningham against Baylor, and they – I mean, I think they were winning, like, 28 minutes or so into that game before Baylor went on a big run. But they have they have guys outside of Cunningham that can really play for sure. Right. I mean, I, I think it surprised people. You know, a lot of people – we're surprised when Cunningham went to Oklahoma State. I think most people didn't realize his brother was an assistant there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he was probably always going to go there. I know the people in Kentucky were somewhat surprised when that happened because I think he was a priority recruit for them. But mm-hmm. uh, he's lived up to all of the hype. I mean, the day he got 40 against Oklahoma a couple of weeks ago was really impressive, Wes. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. He he's a fun player to watch. He is a fun player. Who who do you think he reminds you of? Is he Grant Hill? Is he Penny Hardaway? Is he is he that good, or is he, or or are we just in a year where people are looking to make comparisons? Yeah, I I don't know if there's a a great direct comparison for him. I I personally think he's that good, just because I mean, a big question for Cunningham going into college was his three-point shooting, he's shooting over 40% from out there. I mean, he's a true point guard at 6'8". And, like, Oklahoma State hasn't really necessarily shot the three ball that well consistently all year. And so maybe his assist numbers are a little down than what maybe they should be. But I think he's a terrific passer as well. So I think he should be the number one pick. All right. Sounds good. I'm going to make you the next GM. (laughs) (laughs) Some big-name bubble teams that we have here. It's a little bubble talk. Michigan State, Seton Hall, Syracuse, and the Johnnies. hope they like the NIT. <laughs> You're talking St. John. I, 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 think, I think Duke is going to have to win the tournament to get in after, uh, after last night. I mean, they just didn't get beat. They got smoked pretty badly at, at the Smith Center by Carolina. Michigan State, uh, Tom and I are really good friends, and I'm as surprised as anybody it hasn't worked out. But, you know, you can't go into a season without a point guard. That That is proven. I mean, they were so much better last year with Cassius Winston. I mean, it, it, it's the difference between winning a regular season championship and losing a lot more games than you win. Uh, I think that 
their future will probably still be tied to how they play, not only today against Michigan, but again in the Big Ten tournament. Syracuse, I worry about they have some wins, but they get some bad losses, and they lost a chance for a resume game late when the St. Bonnie's game wasn't played because the uh, ACC was trying to make up for, 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 for lost games. I think that would have been a really good game for them to have in their resume if they could have won it. And I'm not saying they could have won it. I watched St. Bonnie's play yesterday, and they, they don't have any seniors on the team. And mm-hmm. they just buried St. Louis, and then probably knocked them out of the tournament, given the way they played the in the eight ten semifinals. But Syracuse is, you know, it, it's funny if they get to the NCAA tournament, a lot of it is going to be dependent on how well Buddy Bayheim continues to carry his father's water. And he's played very well down down the stretch. He's capable of getting 25 to 28 if his shot he's a legitimate shooter like his dad was when he played for Syracuse uh, back in the 60s and uh, if he shoots it well who knows maybe they have a chance but you know I don't think the ACC this is a vintage ACC this year Wes I mean I'm not sure if there's any team maybe Virginia, if they go on and win the tournament, they can get a three seed. Right now, I think if you were penciling teams in, the highest seeded team from that league itself might be a four. And that's affecting Syracuse and Louisville's status going down the stretch. Seton Hall, I'm really worried that every time they lose, they play themselves out of the, out of the tournament. Last night was a brutal loss. I mean, uh, St. John's and Carnesucca, they jumped out to an 18 nothing lead and lost by double figures. That can't happen. And you look at their personnel, it's not that bad. Mamo is a legitimate star on that team, and he's, and he's huge. I mean, they're really a, most teams in the league don't really have an answer for them, but they're not getting the same type of guard play they got last year when Powell was in school. And uh, I think that really affects their ability to win close games. And what did you have any other uh, any other bubble teams? No, no, that that was where the key ones I really wanted to talk yeah. about. But yeah, talking about Seton, Seton Hall really did surprise me. Like obviously everyone's surprised by Michigan State, but Seton Hall was a team I thought would you know make the NCAA tournament fairly comfortably. So did I. I mean, I'm surprised at their league record. What are they, ten and nine now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, and 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 the losses are piling up. I mean, I think they've lost three or four in a row now, and that I mean, they're going in the wrong direction, sadly, at the right time. I'm a big Kevin Willard guy. I thought he had a really good team last year. I thought he could have actually done some damage and maybe gotten to a second weekend with that group had he been able to play, but. It didn't happen, and I think that there's a there's a big gap right now between uh, uh, b- between UConn and Creighton at health at a healthy Villanova and the rest of the league. I think St. John's could be a sleeper team in that tournament, but I th- I'm I'm really afraid Seton Hall's drifting, and I'm not sure how many bids that league is really, really can, can realistically expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, Cause it could easily just be three. And yeah, that would be amazing. 
when you think about it. I mean, the Big East is not used to just getting three teams. I mean, yeah. ever since they became a basketball only league, they've all they've usually been able to get at least half of their teams in. And, and you talked about Syracuse too. That game against Notre Dame, where they were down. 20 with like 16 <laughs> minutes left. I mean, that was honestly the season changing moment for that team because they could have just, you know, folded in that game and, and they wouldn't probably be in the discussion of an NCAA tournament bid right now. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And they just beat, and they just beat Carolina recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're playing, they're playing good basketball right now. Beat Clemson as well. Are there any sleeper teams that you, uh, maybe like a lot at the high major or mid major level to watch in this year's tournament. Uh, I still like West Virginia. Now I'm not, I wouldn't say they're a sleeper team, but I think that they have the ability if McNeil shoot and Charmin both shoot it. And I mean, they have two legitimate stars in that team and Culver and McBride. If the other guy, if their auxiliary players shoot it well, I think they could be a dangerous team in a one-out one situation because they're capable of scoring 80 points. And they're the only team that I know that has been competitive with Gonzaga down to the last five minutes. Other teams that I like, you know, I think Purdue, of all things, is a year away from being a national contender of the big kids. Zach 80 uh, continues to develop. They have an awful lot of freshmen. But if Travion Williams, who's been a dominant force for them, comes back, you know, they could they could surprise a lot of people. I would love to tell you that I'm in love with the with with the teams out west. Uh I think uh, I think that San Diego State has a chance to get to a second weekend out of the Mountain West. I think that league is very underrated. I think it has at least five teams if you include Nevada that will be on the board and have a chance to make to make the tournament. I don't think that many will. I think we'll probably have about three teams get in based on the tournament. But they have five teams that are that good. And, that, and that's in a year where New Mexico and UNLV are not playing it, are not playing their best basketball. So I, I, I like them. Uh, other mid-majors I would consider – you know, I have a soft spot for Porter Mosier because he used to be Rick Majerus' assistant coach at St. Louis, and he coached a Loyola team to a Cinderella Final Four a couple of years ago, and I think he's got a good team this year. I think we'll find out a lot more when they play Drake for the Valley Championship, but I, 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 like, the, I like their personnel a little bit because they have some size and experience. Um, and I kind of like St. Bonnie's. I'm just talking teams that could get to the second weekend. Mm-hmm. I honestly believe, look, I'm a big believer in scratch teams, especially teams that are ones and twos this year, because I think it's so much harder and it's going to take so much out of you mentally being in the same location for upwards to two and a half weeks. I'd rather go with experienced teams with guard play. If you give me them, I have legit that I'm taking my chance. Look, I I don't know about Alabama, but I do know this. I think Arkansas is really well coached, and I think that they've won 11 in a row now. And uh, I think they're getting great play out of people like Moses Modi, who could be not only the rookie of the year, but make a run at the player of the year in the conference if coaches are watching. 
But would you go as far as saying you think Arkansas is the best team in the SEC? Well, they beaten they 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 beat Alabama mm-hmm. the last time they played them, and that's after getting smoked by Alabama in the first in the first meeting. I mean, they controlled that game, and they really cut down Alabama's three point shooting in that game. He's a very good coach. I mean, I hope they keep him. I hope he doesn't do anything crazy like go to Minnesota. That job opens because his dad used to coach there, and he's from Minnesota because I think he's found a home in Alabama and Arkansas, and I think he can do some serious damage if he stays there. Yeah, I, I think that they're probably playing as well as anyone in the league. Now, there's always a chance Alabama could come out and do what they did in some games. I mean, they had, they, they had 23 threes in one game this year. I guess, I guess it was Georgia. I mean, where they, just, where they just blew people away, and they've got – if they're healthy and, and, and Jordan Bruno who's another transfer from Yale, by the way, plays, you know, they have physical size with Herbert Jones and they've got at least three or four guys who can make threes on a consistent basis. Yeah. With, like the way Nate Oates likes, likes to play. I mean, drive it layups and kick out threes. That's just the way they play. And they're going to take a lot of threes. So they are, they are. So like any, I mean, any given night, they could bury you at 23s like they've done this year, but they could also, you know. Yeah, listen, if you're wed to the three, you, you live by the three, you die by the three. It's just mm-hmm. the way it is. I, I, I would prefer teams that I know are going to shoot a person. Like Gonzaga shoots close to 50, okay? They don't have to make a million threes to win the way other teams do because they have such great balance and the ball movement is exceptional. Suggs does not play like a freshman West. He, I mean, he really gets the ball to the right people. I mean, they, and, and, and Kispert probably has as good a mechanics for a jump shooter as there is in the country. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I'd agree with you there. Kispert's form is, it's just, it's clean and it's quick and it's crisp. Yeah. But, Dick, that's all I have for you today. I really, right. really appreciate you joining no the No problem, show. Wes. It was so nice talking to you. Are you going to do this when you grow up? <laughs> I, I don't know right now. I mean, I would love to. I love doing this. I love following and talking college basketball in specific. So, I mean, I would love to. I don't necessarily know for sure if that will be in my future, though. No, it's great. You know, and when you do it kind of keeps you attached to the game because Mm -hmm. you look like you're totally prepared. You're a lot more prepared than a lot of people I've dealt with who are are professional and do this stuff because they can actually talk about the game. Most people, they get you on, they ask you a bunch of questions that they've loaded up, but they can't really, uh, talk specifics about the teams they're asking about and I think you've got to conquer that body of knowledge pretty effectively I I really appreciate that it it was really nice talking to you and I really appreciate you coming hey it was my pleasure okay best of luck with your show I would like to thank Dick again for joining the show as it was a pleasure to be able to talk with him But let's get right into the rest of this week's content. The first thing I want to talk about is, in my opinion, is the biggest headline of this whole week, and it's the Illinois Illini who beat Michigan on Tuesday, and they beat Ohio State on Saturday. They picked up two big road wins. 
On Tuesday against Michigan, it was with Io Desunmu. Illinois played three games without Io and went 3-0 in those games. And then on Saturday, they played Ohio State in Columbus, and Io came back, and Illinois won again. So I guess the discussion for today with Illinois is, should Illinois be considered in the class of Baylor, Gonzaga, and Michigan? So let's run it back a little bit. So earlier in the year, Illinois had a lot of hype around their name. You know, their fans were excited for this year. They thought this could definitely be a national title year. They kind of got playing, and, you know, they weren't bad, but they necessarily weren't quite as good as what people thought. They were still a really good basketball team, though. But kind of their struggles were just inconsistency, particularly on the defensive end. You know, they just weren't locked in possession to possession. We've worked our way through the year here a little bit, and, you know, Illinois had some losses early, like uh, to Rutgers, where defense really hurt them. Lost to Ohio State, where, you know, defense really hurt them in the game. Maryland, they lost to. You know, some games like that where defense hurt them in. And now we're here, and Illinois is kind of looked at as, you know, the fourth one seed, and it very well could be locked as that fourth one seed. I, I believe that Illinois is really locked as the four one seeds, and that the four one seeds are set. So I guess the question is, what is different about Illinois now? Why are they playing this good of basketball? What's the difference? In my opinion, there's two reasons for the difference of Illinois. Reason number one. And in my opinion, it's the biggest reason is just defensively, they are so, so improved. Uh, I mean, defense, it, people talk about how good this team is offensively. This team actually ranks rates as a better defensive team on Ken Palm than offense. Illinois is sixth in the country defensively, and they're seventh in the country offensively. So it's, it's turned into a really complete basketball team. But I, I think, like, they're, they're really good inside because, I mean, Co- Coburn defensively is terrific. I mean... He's a huge body with great size and great length, and, you know, he just, he walls up in there, you know, puts his chest in, and, you know, he's not going to be back down. So they, they have great interior defense. And then it, on the perimeter, their guards and their, you know, their backcourt is really locked in defensively. I mean, Desunmu can really guard when he wants to. Frazier can really guard when he wants to. Same with Curbelo. Demonte Williams has been a good defender. Guys like that. I mean, Illinois has turned into a really good defensive team and arguably a better defensive team than they are offensively. And the second reason is Andre Curbelo. So Curbelo was kind of a guy this year who had really struggled to necessarily score the ball, but has been an elite passer and an elite playmaker. But Curbelo has turned into, you know, both of those things now, a great scorer and a great playmaker. Curbelo since New Year, since January 1, has scored in double figures six times. Five of those have came in the last five games. It's not necessarily that he's shooting from the perimeter. He's really not taking many threes at all still, and he's not really making threes. He's just not taking those shots. But what he is doing is getting to the rim consistently. And maybe early in the year where he didn't necessarily have the confidence to go up against bigger guys inside, well, he's kind of going in and you know being a little more fearless trying to finish around the rim, and he's done a great job at that. He's played very efficiently. It's not necessarily that he's taking bad shots and scoring more. He's just taking maybe shots that he should have took inside earlier, but he's maybe a little bit more fearless, a little bit more confident in himself now. So for those two reasons, I think, is the main difference why Illinois is a lot better of a basketball team. And to answer the question is if they are in the class of Baylor, Gonzaga, and Michigan, yes. I don't I don't really see how you can argue that they're not. You know, if you want to argue that Michigan's not in the class of Baylor and Gonzaga, I can listen to that argument. In my opinion, Baylor and Gonzaga are 1A, and Michigan and Illinois are probably 1B. And right now, I mean, how would you not put Illinois above Michigan by a little bit? They just beat them by 23 on Michigan's home floor 
without All-American Io DeSumo. I mean, how can you not put Illinois in front of Michigan right now? And Michigan uh, looked really good against Michigan State on Thursday, but then they go to uh, Michigan State today, recording this on Sunday, and they lose. So I don't really understand how you necessarily could argue that Illinois isn't in this class. You can argue maybe that Baylor and Gonzaga are still a step ahead of those two teams, which I actually probably agree with a little bit. I'm not saying it's a big gap, but I do think Baylor and Gonzaga are on a little bit higher of a level than Michigan and Illinois. But right now, if I had to rank the teams, I'd go Gonzaga 1, Baylor 2, Illinois 3, and Michigan 4. Now, in tomorrow's AP poll, I still expect Michigan to be uh, the number 3 team in the country. Or not still, because they're number 2 this week. But I expect them to be in front of Illinois next week. Just because of the number in the loss column. Illinois has 6 losses. And Michigan has 3 losses. So... That reason alone is why I expect Michigan to be number three, and it's pretty hard to argue against that just because of the loss column. I mean, it's a pretty big difference in that column. If Illinois were to, say, run the table in the Big Ten tournament and beat Michigan again, and Michigan has four losses and Illinois still has six losses, uh, there's no doubt the selection committee would move Illinois to the number three overall one seed and Michigan to number four. I mean, you can't have Illinois beat them twice and, you know, playing way better basketball at the moment and still have them behind Michigan just because they have two more losses. So I think Illinois does have the possibility here to move into the number three overall one seed if they were to run the table. And maybe maybe it's they, that they beat Michigan. Maybe Michigan loses before. I mean, who knows? But I do think Illinois has a possibility to move into the number three overall one seed. The next segment I have for you guys today is talking a little bit of some some teams that have punched their bid to the NCAA tournament. So conference tournament started this past week, and there's some smaller conferences, you know, finishing up their conference tournaments to close the weekend. And we've actually had four teams punch their bid already. Moorhead State, who beat uh, Belmont on Saturday night. And then we saw all these three on Sunday. Winthrop, who beat Campbell. Liberty, who beat North Alabama. But uh, Liberty actually punched their bid after they won their semifinal game because... North Alabama was not eligible to play in the NCAA tournament, and so regardless of today's result against North Alabama, Liberty was going to represent the Atlantic Sun. And then the last one we had was Loyola Chicago, who beat Drake in the Missouri Valley. And so I just want to talk about these four teams right now and just kind of give you guys a little bit of analysis on these four teams. So let's start it off with talking a little little bit about Moorhead State. So like I said, Moorhead State beat Belmont in the Ohio Valley Conference Championship. Belmont was the was the heavy favorite. I, I wouldn't say necessarily heavy favorite, but they were definitely the favorite in this conference. And Moorhead State beat them by a score of 81 to 68. And honestly, Moorhead State controlled this game the whole way. Moorhead State was kind of known as a much better defensive team and a team that had struggled offensively a little bit this year. Uh, they didn't necessarily have terrific three-point shooting, but against Belmont, I mean, they, they shot the ball terrifically. This will be Moorhead State's first NCAA tournament in 10 years. And in that tournament, they uh, were the 13th seed and actually upset Louisville as the 14th seed, or excuse me, as the 4th seed when Moorhead had Kenneth Fareed. But this year, if you're talking about Moorhead State, it kind of starts with Janai Broom, who uh, is Moorhead's best player. And he, he's a post presence and a very impressive post presence. And he had a phenomenal game against Belmont. He had 27 and 12. He's a 6'10 freshman and has probably been one of the more surprising freshmen in the country. I mean, obviously no one's going to talk about a Moorhead State freshman, but he, he is a very impressive freshman. Um, he has he has solid size down there, and athlete, he has pretty dang good athleticism. 
He's not a guy that's necessarily going to beat you from three, but he's very comfortable with his back to the basket, and he has really, really good touch. Uh, he's a lefty, so he obviously prefers to go over his right shoulder. I didn't see a whole lot of him going to his right, so I don't know really much if he has game on that end. But I did see that he has a pretty dang good face-up jumper. He faced up multiple times in this game and hit jump shots. He had a fadeaway jumper one time. Um, he, he was very impressive in this game. He had he had a really high motor, and he uh, just played really hard on both ends out there. So I liked that a lot. Um, but like I said, this team uh, kind of finds our ident identity on the defensive end and on the glass. Like This team really, really crashes the glass. If you watch them on the offensive end, I mean, they have multiple guys each possession crashing the glass, trying to get second chances. So matchup-wise, I mean... You can't play Moorhead State and, and not bring your fight that game. So Moorhead State's probably likely about a 14 seed. And I'm not necessarily saying I'd pick them to win a game, but if I'm a three seed playing them, you better be ready to fight because that, that's kind of Moorhead's identity. They bring the energy, and they play extremely, extremely hard. The next team I want to talk about is Winthrop, who, like I said, beat Campbell on Sunday by a score of 80 to 53. They really, really dominated them in this game. And if you're talking about Winthrop, uh, it kind of it starts with Chandler Vaudrin, who is their point guard, their six-seven point guard. He leads them in points, rebounds, assists, and steals. He's really everything to this team. He's not necessarily like a, an explosive, really, really quick point guard, but uh, he's a game manager who really understands pace, and he has a perimeter shot, but he also can drive it really well. And obviously, he's a he's a really terrific playmaker. But with his size, he can also rebound at the point guard position. But the story in their game against Campbell was. Their big guy, DJ Burns, who was a former top 100 recruit, and he actually was at Tennessee before he transferred to Winthrop. So obviously, he had uh, you know some high praise coming out of high school. He has he obviously has potential, and he's really putting it to use uh, at Winthrop right now. But in uh, in this game, Burns just dominated inside. He was he went 11 for 12 from the field with 22 points. Obviously, a lot of those were inside, but Campbell really just could not handle his size and physicality inside. He has really good footwork. That's what I really liked about him. Uh, he, he could spin. He had a good spin inside. And what I was probably most impressed about him was his composure inside. It wasn't necessarily that he was just kind of bowling his way in there and just being, uh, just kind of going in there uh, head down, you know. But he had vision around him, and you, you could tell he's a high IQ guy. Like, if they're going to double him, he didn't just barrel his way into them, into the double. He tried to, you know, he passed out of the double. He got the ball back out to his guards. So that's what I really liked about Burns. Winthrop is definitely a team that can make noise in March. I mean, this is a likely 12 seed. They've only lost one game all year long. But with Vaudrin at the point, with Burns inside, and they have other really good wings out there. I really like Adonis Arms, who's a tough matchup on the outside with his length and his shooting ability. So I think Winthrop in, in, at the 12 seed obviously depends matchups, but I don't see why Winthrop couldn't be a very popular pick in that 5-12 upset. The next team uh, to punch their bid was Liberty. Um, like I said, Liberty, regardless of their outcome of the conference championship, was going to represent this conference. But talking about Liberty, so Liberty was a team that won their conference tournament last year because it got played before COVID hit. So they were going dancing. Liberty lost their three leading scorers from a year ago, and uh, Scotty James and Caleb Holmesley were excellent, excellent players. They lost both of those guys, and Richie McKay has taken this group and done a phenomenal job. If you're talking about Liberty, it's what I really like about them, is 
they have really, really good guards. And if you want to win in March, and if you want to pick a mid-major to maybe upset somebody, it's got it's probably going to be somebody with really good guards. And Liberty has terrific guards. It starts off with Darius McGee, who is their best player. And he's only 5'9", but he's an extremely dynamic guard. He's terrific from the perimeter, but he also has the explosiveness to get by somebody. And he really showed that today. I mean, he made plays off the dribble. You saw him taking like sidestep threes, step back threes. I mean, super, super shifty. He's kind of a guard that likes to dance a bit and, you know, gets the defense a little off balance. He's great at that. I mean, he's really tough to stay in front of. And not just Darius McGee, but their point guard, Chris Parker, who is a D2 transfer into the program. I mean, he's an extremely dynamic guard as well. This this one-two duo in the backcourt is phenomenal. He's a little bit bigger at 6'1", but, I mean, he's still a smaller guard. But he, he kind of has a similar, similar traits to McGee. He's maybe not quite as as good of a shooter like he doesn't necessarily have the shot making ability that McGee does McGee is really able to make high difficulty shots Parker can do that but maybe not to quite the same uh, ability that McGee has but these two guards are terrific guards very very quick uh, and, and when I look at, at maybe a possible Cinderella maybe an upset pick Liberty's pretty easy to see because of the guard play they have and and, and their three-point shooting as well I mean they shoot I believe 39 percent from the outside Elijah Cuff, he's a phenomenal three-point shooter. He uh, he's he's more of a he's more of a pure shooter. He's able to slash a little bit, but he he's typically a guy that'll stay on the outside, doesn't put the ball on the floor much. But he he shoots at forty plus percent from outside, and he's an excellent shooter. Liberty doesn't doesn't really have great inside play, but their guards makes them a really intriguing pick come March. And the last team I want to talk about, Loyola Chicago. You guys know about Loyola probably a little bit. They they've been ranked for a couple weeks now. And they beat Drake today, 75 to 65, and that that puts them at two and one against Drake this year. Their one loss coming by a point in overtime. And Loyola is going is going to be a popular pick. I mean, obviously, you all remember what happened in 2018 with their Cinderella run. But the but the truth is, Loyola is probably going to be a seven or eight seed. This ranks is the number one defense on Ken Palm. It's a really really good defensive team that also has game on the offensive end. And I'll talk about that a little bit. So their offense runs through Cameron Crutwig, who's their big guy, and he was on the Final Four team. Crutwig's a true post, but what what makes him so good and what makes Loyola so good is not necessarily just his ability to score inside, but he is very efficient at that. But it's his ability to pass. He has terrific vision inside, um, and he showed that today. He had four assists in today's game. I mean, if you want to double him, he's he's good at passing out of doubles, and you're probably leaving a shooter on the outside because Loyola has some pretty good shooting on the outside. Brayden Norris is an excellent shooter. Uguak can hit some shots. Williamson can hit some shots. I mean, they have shooters out there. People have kind of brought up the question, is is this team better than the Final Four team in 2018? You can certainly make a case for that. I mean, with the way this team defends, and maybe they're not necessarily as good offensively, but this is still a really good offensive team. Uh, I like this Loyola team a lot. If they happen to be an eight seed, I mean, it's going to be hard to pick them to beat one of the one seeds because the one seeds are just so good this year but hoping for them that they can work their way up to the 7 line because, honestly, they deserve to be on the 7 line. I mean, this is a really good team, and just because they play in the Missouri Valley Conference doesn't mean you need to disrespect them with an 8 seed. This is this is a 7 line or better team. This, this team can win games in March. The next segment I'm very excited about. And so with conference tournaments coming up next week for the Power 6 conferences, I would like to make my predictions on each of those conference tournaments. I've looked at the brackets a little bit, but I don't necessarily have them all memorized right now. And so I'm just going to pull them up right now and go one by one each conference. 
starting with the ACC and then to the Big East, Big Ten, Big 12, SEC, and Pac-12 in that order. I'm just going to look at them, make some picks, maybe make some quick analysis on some games, and give my predictions for this week's conference tournaments. And so for the first conference, the ACC, I'm going to get right into my picks here. And so there's three games on the first day, and those games are Pitt-Miami, Duke-Boston College, Notre Dame-Wake Forest. And so in the 12-13 game, Pitt-Miami, I am going to pick Miami to win this game. Partially is just because Pitt has lost lost Xavier Johnson to transfer. They lost Audis Tony to transfer. I mean, guys are leaving the program, and it doesn't necessarily seem to be in the greatest state right now. Miami, you know, they've had a tough year, but just with what, what's going on with Pitt right now, I'm going to take Miami to win this game. Next game, Duke-Boston College in the 10-15 game. I'm going to pick Duke in this game for the simple reason that they're a better basketball team than Boston College, so there's really not much to say here. And then in the 11-14 game, it's Notre Dame-Wake Forest. I'm going to pick Notre Dame to win this game. This team's capable, especially when they get hot from three, and they just beat Florida State on Saturday. So I'm going to pick Notre Dame to win that game. And then the second day starts with the 8-9 game at noon, Syracuse-NC State. Um, Syracuse fighting for an NCAA tournament bid right now. NC State, one of the hottest teams in the ACC. With uh, NC State's front line of Manny Bates and DJ Funderburk, and with the way these young freshman guards are playing, I'm going to pick NC State to win this game, actually. I really, really like the way this team's trending. I think they're playing you know, great basketball right now. They lost Devin Daniels for the season, but this team responded really well. I love the way Cam Hayes is playing. Uh Darion Sebron is uh, a, a guy with length on the wing and getting better as a freshman. Shaquille Moore can really shoot it out there. I like this NC State team a lot right now, and I think this is this is a tough game to pick, but I'm going to pick NC State to win this game. The next game at 2.30 will be Miami and Clemson. Again, it's not that it's Miami and Clemson, but I picked Miami to, game, so Miami to win, so remember that when I'm picking these games. So Miami-Clemson. 230 game, I'll pick Clemson to win this game. Uh, Clemson's just a lot better of a team than Miami. Really good defensive team, so I'll pick Clemson to win this game. The next game is Duke in Louisville. This is a rematch from that overtime game where Matthew Hurt, I believe, scored uh, 38 points or 37 points or so in that game. If Duke wants to make it the NCAA tournament, they're probably going to have to run the table, and I really don't see that happening. I think Louisville is going to win this game. Duke is kind of trending down a little bit, so that's partially why I'm picking it this way. They just came off that bad loss to Carolina. Not necessarily a bad loss, but they just didn't look good at all against Carolina. They got smoked. Louisville has great guards, and you know they've kind of been up and down a little bit. It's kind of hard to judge Louisville. They've, they've had a long pause and stuff, but I really like Carly Jones, uh, and, and I like the Louisville guards of him and David Johnson to beat Duke in this game. And the next game I'm going to pick is North Carolina-Notre Dame which would be the 9 o'clock game on Tuesday or on Wednesday night to finalize day two. North Carolina is playing great basketball right now. Uh, North, Notre Dame struggles on the boards. North Carolina is dominant in that area, so I'll pick North Carolina to win this game. On to the quarterfinals, Virginia-NC State in the 1-9 game at noon. I'll pick Virginia to win this game. Virginia is the number one seed for a reason. NC State's not going to beat them in this game. Virginia wins. The next game at 2.30 is Georgia Tech and Clemson. This game is really, really tough to pick. Uh, two teams that are extremely tough. Uh, I really like Georgia Tech in the state that they're in right now. Uh, I think Georgia Georgia Tech kind of sealed the deal with the NCAA tournament when they beat Duke at home in that crazy game. I'm going to pick Georgia Tech to win a close one over Clemson. 
the next game to start the night session in the quarterfinals, Florida State and Louisville. This would be a really good basketball team, or excuse me, really good basketball game. Florida State coming off that loss to Notre Dame, but I think they'll bounce back in this one. I'm taking Florida State to win this game. In the last game of the quarterfinals, North Carolina, Virginia Tech. I'm going to pick North Carolina to win this game just because Virginia Tech hasn't been able to play many games lately. I really like the way North Carolina is playing right now, so I'm going to take North Carolina. On to the semifinals, Virginia and Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech has lost two tough games to Virginia this year. I'm actually going to take Georgia Tech to win this one. I really, really like this Georgia Tech team right now. Jose Alvarado is just really good at the point guard position. Uh, he'll win that. He he's going to win that matchup with Kihei Clark, and I think Georgia Tech will be able to slow down Hauser and Huff enough to come away with a win in this one and and uh, avoid the the season sweep of Virginia. Virginia is not going to beat them three times. So I'll take Georgia Tech. In the other semifinal game, Florida State and North Carolina, both of these teams, you know, really, really athletic and long. Both have size. Uh, really terrific matchup. North Carolina beat Florida State in the last one, and I'm going to take Florida State to win this game. I think Florida State's the best team in the ACC, and it'll be a tough game, but I think Florida State will win it. And then for the championship game, I have Georgia Tech and Florida State, and I'm going to pick Florida State to win the game. Like I said, I think Florida State's the best team in the ACC. I think in a tor tournament format, I mean, they're really hard to prepare for. Obviously, all these AC ACC teams have seen them, but still, Florida State, you know, coming off a game the prior day, I think Florida State's really hard to prepare for and really hard to play with the size, the physicality, the athleticism that they have. Uh, I ultimately think their size would be a little bit too much, and I think they will win the ACC tournament championship. On to the next conference, the Big East. So... Uh, the first day games here, the first one I'm picking, Marquette, or excuse me, Georgetown Marquette in the 8-9 game. I really like Marquette right now. They recently beat North Carolina, and they're playing great basketball. I'll take Marquette to win this one. And the next game, Xavier Butler. I'll pick Xavier to win this game. Uh, not much to say there, really, Xavier. I just think it's the better basketball team. And in the final one, Providence-DePaul in the 6-11 game. Again, I'll take Providence. They beat Villanova, obviously Villanova with the injuries. But I think Providence is really good with David Duke, so I'll pick Providence. Uh, in the in the second day games, one seed Villanova playing nine seed Marquette. This is a tough one just because Villanova doesn't have Colin Gillespie now. They lost Justin Moore in the game on Saturday against Providence. It's really hard to judge how Villanova is going to respond to this game. But I will take Villanova to win this game. But it, it's really tough to pick just because... They're, they don't know what they're going to do at the point guard position now because they're down two, two, uh, their top two point guards. So Villanova's in a tough situation, but I'm going to say that they win a game here against Marquette. In the next one, a 4-5 matchup, St. John Seton Hall. The winner still has NCAA tournament hopes. The loser's probably you know knocked out of it. And I'm going to pick Seton Hall to win this game. I think Seton Hall's been a team that's kind of underachieved all year long. It's time for them to play basketball. It's kind of a fresh start for them. I love Mamu at the point at the, like the point forward position. He's a super tough matchup. I'm going to take Mamu Kelishvili and Seton Hall in this game. Next game, Creighton Xavier. Creighton dealing with the off the court uh, distractions with Greg McDermott and what he said in the locker room. So it's also kind of hard to judge how Creighton's going to react. But I will take Creighton to win this game. Ultimately, it'll just be a little bit too much for Xavier, the better basketball team. And in the last game of this day three seed UConn playing six seed Marquette I'm going to pick UConn to win this game UConn is a different team with James Booknight in the lineup they're playing great basketball and Booknight is one of the best players in the country
the semifinals, I have Villanova and Seton Hall. And I'm going to pick Seton Hall to win this game. I don't think Seton Hall is going to lose another game to Villanova. Villanova isn't in the best state right now, so I'm going to pick Seton Hall to win this game. And in this other semifinal game, Creighton and UConn, I'm going to pick UConn to win this game for similar reasons. Creighton's off-the-court distractions, and I just think UConn is playing great basketball right now. And then for my championship game, I have Seton Hall and UConn. I'm going to pick UConn to win this game. I think UConn's playing the best basketball in the Big East, and they're ultimately going to come out with the Big East championship this upcoming week. The next conference may be the conference that uh, people are most excited for to see, the Big Ten. And so the first day games here, 13 seed Minnesota against 12 seed Northwestern. I pick Minnesota to win this game. Marcus Carl will be a little bit too much for Northwestern in this game. And then the second one, Penn State uh, in Nebraska, an 11-14 game, picking Penn State to win this one. Penn State just beat Maryland, and Penn State's better basketball team, so Penn State will win this game. And then in the 8-9 game to, to start the second day, really intriguing game, Maryland and Michigan State. Michigan State playing really good basketball as they just beat Michigan, and I'll pick them to win this game due to Michigan State kind of you know having more confidence right now. Maryland just lost to Penn State today as I'm recording this on Sunday. Michigan State feeling really good about themselves, although Michigan State can lose this game and still afford to get into the NCAA tournament. The next game, five-seed Ohio State. Crazy thinking that Ohio State's playing on that second day and playing Minnesota. I'll pick Ohio State to win this game. I mean, Ohio State is probably still a top-two seed. Ohio State will beat Minnesota. In the next game, seven-seed Rutgers playing 10-seed Indiana. Uh, two weird teams. Indiana's 12 and 14 now. Have been highly inconsistent, and Rutgers has also been extremely inconsistent. But I'll take Rutgers in this game. And in the last game on this day, Wisconsin and Penn State. Wisconsin's been a team that struggled to beat everyone that's better than them, but they beat everyone worse than them. I'm taking Wisconsin in this game. They're better than Penn State. And now to start the quarterfinal matchups. The first game, a rematch again with Michigan and Michigan State. Michigan State won the last one. I'm taking Michigan to win this game. They're not going to lose back-to-back games to Michigan State. And then in the 4-5 matchup, Purdue and Ohio State. Purdue beat Ohio State in a game this year. They actually swept them this year, but one of the games came on a game-winning three-point shot from Jaden Ivey. Ohio State's going to get revenge on Purdue and win this one. In my next game, I have Illinois and Rutgers. Uh, I, it's hard to see Illinois losing right now. They're arguably playing the best basketball, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country. And Illinois will beat Rutgers in this quarterfinal matchup. And the last one, I have Iowa and Wisconsin. These two teams recently, or not recently, they played each other on Sunday today. And so they could definitely play each other, what, four days? Is that four? Yeah, four days later. Um... Iowa had Joe Wieskamp get hurt in this game, and so his his health's a big factor in who I think will win this game. I'm actually going to pick Wisconsin, though. I like the way they looked against Iowa. They're going to be angry from that loss and want revenge on them. I'm going to pick Wisconsin to upset Iowa in the quarterfinal matchup. And then in, in my semis, I have Michigan and Ohio State. These two, te- these two teams played one of the best regular season matchups uh, just a, a week or two ago, and so they could easily get to play each other in the semifinals again. And in this matchup, I'll pick Michigan to win this game. Michigan won round one. I think their size is a little bit too much for Ohio State. Hunter Dickinson, Ohio State doesn't have the size and the height to to really handle that. So I'm taking Michigan to get to the championship game. And then my other matchup, I have Illinois and Wisconsin. I'm picking Illinois again. They're playing the best, best basketball in the Big Ten. That's enough said right there. And then a championship game, Michigan and Illinois, the one and two seeds. 
Illinois recently just beat Michigan without Io DeSumo by 23, and I'm going to say Illinois beats them again to win the Big Ten Championship. Uh, although Michigan's going to be angry about that loss, Illinois didn't have DeSunmu. Illinois will have DeSunmu in this game. I think that'll be the difference for why Illinois can beat them again. Illinois will win the Big Ten Tournament Championship. And then in the next conference, the Big 12. Big 12 is extremely intriguing. The top seven teams are top 18 teams in America right now in this in this current week's AP poll. The first game on the first day, 8-9 game between TCU and Kansas State. I'm taking TCU to win this game. And then the other one, 7-10 game, Oklahoma and Iowa State. Iowa State hasn't won a conference game all year. I'm picking Oklahoma, of course, to win that game. And then to start the next day, we'll have Baylor and TCU. I'm picking Baylor to win this game. Pretty self-explanatory there. And in the next game that day in the 4-5 matchup, West Virginia and Oklahoma State, super, super intriguing matchup. Although Oklahoma State is playing great basketball right now, they just won on Saturday without Cade Cunningham, without Isaac Likely against this West Virginia team. West Virginia is going to get revenge in this game. I think West Virginia is is a really good basketball team, and you can make a case for the second-best team in the Big 12. In the next game, we have Kansas and Oklahoma. This is a really difficult game for me to pick. Uh, Kansas just had the weird game against UTEP, but then before that they beat Baylor. Oklahoma's had a weird stretch here. I am going to pick Kansas to win this game. Um, I think it'll be it's a very close game, and these two teams are pretty even in my mind, but I will pick Kansas to win this game. And then the last matchup, Texas and Texas Tech. I'm going to pick Texas to win this game. I think uh, Texas Tech's a really good basketball team, and this will be a battle, and this is a pretty amazing uh, quarterfinal matchup. But I will pick Texas to win this game. I think Texas's guards are better. I really like this Texas team. And then in the semifinals, then we'd have Baylor and West Virginia, and I'll pick Baylor to win this game. These two teams just played a heck of a basketball game uh, in a game that went overtime. West Virginia lost a heartbreaker. I'm going to say Baylor holds on and beats West Virginia in another close game. In the other semifinal, we have Kansas and Texas. I will pick Texas to win this game. Like I said, I really, really like their guards. I think Texas is a, is a, is a final fourth threat and a team that can get there. And in the championship game, we'd have Baylor and Texas. These teams only played once this year and were a game where Baylor won. It was a really entertaining game, and Baylor played arguably their best basketball game of the whole year against Texas. I'm going to say Baylor wins it and wins the Big 12 tournament in a, in a pretty close game against Texas. Texas has the guards to play with Baylor's guards, but ultimately Baylor's guards are a little bit better. And I do like Texas that they have Jericho Sims. I think Kai Jones and Greg Browns are mismatched nightmares. But Baylor's guards are just so terrific. Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, and defensively Baylor is really, really good. I'll pick Baylor to win the Big 12 tournament. And then the next conference I, I'm picking is the SEC. There's only one game on that first on that first day, and it's A&M and Vanderbilt. There's really not too much to say here, but I'll take uh, Vanderbilt to win this game. And then the following day, Kentucky-Mississippi State in the 8-9 game. I'm going to pick Kentucky to win this game. Kentucky just had a really good game against South Carolina on Saturday. I think Kentucky will win it. In the next matchup, we have Florida and Vanderbilt. Uh, Florida lost to Tennessee today, but I will take Florida to beat Vanderbilt in this game. In the 7-10 game, we have Missouri and Georgia. I'll pick Missouri to win this game. They've kind of had a downfall here towards the end of the season, but I still think Missouri will win this game in advance to the quarterfinals. And in the last game on the, in the second round, 6-seed Ole Miss playing 11-seed South Carolina. I'll pick Ole Miss to win this game. 
Ole Miss, when when they play really good basketball, I mean they're tough to beat. They they're they're good defensively, and Devontae Schuler is a terrific guard. In the quarterfinals, we have one seed Alabama playing eight seed Kentucky. Uh, this is going to be a terrific matchup, and I think it's going to come down right to the wire. Kentucky's really feeling good about themselves, but I think they're going to lose a heartbreaker to Alabama. It's going to come right down to the wire, and Alabama is going to squeak it out. And then in the four or five matchup, we have Tennessee and Florida, who just played each other uh, today on Sunday, and so they're going to play each other again a few days later. I'm going to pick Tennessee in this game, mainly just because Tennessee, when when Tennessee is really good. They're really hard to beat, but they're obviously an extremely inconsistent team, but I'm going to pick Tennessee to win this game. And then the next quarterfinal matchup, we have Arkansas and Missouri. I really like Arkansas, and I think they're the best team in the SEC right now, most complete team in the conference. I'll pick Arkansas to win this game. In the last quarterfinal matchup, we have LSU and Ole Miss. LSU is a really fun team to watch, and they really score the ball. If you haven't watched Cam Thomas much, watch LSU, because Cam Thomas is one of the most fun players to watch in the country as he scores the ball is such a high rate. And now in the semifinals, we have Alabama and Tennessee playing each other in the 1-4 game. I'm going to pick Tennessee to win this game. Uh, this is kind of a battle of two inconsistent basketball teams. Alabama kind of lives and dies by the three, and then Tennessee, it really just comes down to if they can make shots or not, because this team's terrific defensively, but they struggle offensively terribly at times. But I'll pick Tennessee to win this game, mainly just because I I thought Tennessee was a really good basketball team earlier in the year. It's kind of a it's a it's a refresh for this team, and hopefully they can regroup and get and reach their potential. And their potential is very high, so I'm going to pick Tennessee to win this game. And then the two three game we have Arkansas and LSU. Arkansas ultimately is a much better defensive team than LSU. LSU can really score the ball, but I think they'll have to score too many points to ultimately beat Arkansas. I'll pick Arkansas to win this game. And then the championship we have. Four seed Tennessee playing two seed Arkansas, and this is a game where I'm going to pick Arkansas to win this game. Uh, there's just a lot to like about Arkansas. They've only lost two games with Justin Smith in the lineup, and they're the best team in the SEC. They're playing the best basketball in this conference. I'm taking the Razorbacks to win the SEC tournament championship. And then for the last conference, now I have the Pac-12, and I've been going a little bit longer than I wanted to, so I'm going to go through this pretty quickly here. And so in the 8-9 game, we have Arizona State and Washington State. I'm going to pick Arizona State in this game. 7-10, Utah-Washington. I'll take Utah. They just beat SC, actually, so I'm going to pick Utah. And then 6-11, we have Stanford and Cal. Hopefully, Oscar Da Silva can play. I'll pick Stanford to win that game. In the 1-8 game, we have Oregon and Arizona State. Arizona State is supposed to be a really good basketball team, so this is a, this is a trap game for Oregon. And Arizona State is a team that, you know, if they're playing their best basketball, could make a really deep run in the Pac-12 tournament. But I'll still pick Oregon to win this one. In the 4-5 game, we have UCLA and Oregon State. I'll take UCLA in this one. In the 2-7 game, we have SC and Utah. SC trying to get revenge on Utah, and I'll take the Trojans to win the game. And in the 3-6 game, we have Colorado and Stanford, and I'll take Colorado to win this game. And so for the semifinals, we have Oregon and UCLA. Should be a really, really good matchup. But I'll take Oregon to win this game. They're the best team in the Pac-12. And then in the 2-3 game, we have USC and Colorado. And I'll take USC to win this game. I think these two teams are pretty pretty evenly matched. This would be a tough one. But I think USC will win this game, get to the championship. And then this is Chalk here with one playing two, Oregon-USC, and I'll take Oregon to win this game. Oregon, when healthy, has been a really, really good basketball team this year, and they are healthy now. Chris Duarte is arguably the best guard in the country, and I love the way they play positionless basketball. This Oregon team is really, really dangerous and you know can make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. 
And to close my podcast today, I would like to answer a few Instagram follower questions that I was asked on Instagram. The first question that I have today is from Jack.Lahan, who asked, who are some teams that are likely to be upset in the tournament? And I came up with three teams here. I have Creighton, Tennessee, and Alabama. Um, Alabama, for the reason, just because they live and die by the three. So if they have a bad night shooting the three, I mean, they, they could lose in the, in the very first game. Uh, that's possible. Obviously, that if they're a two seed, I don't really see that happening. But as a three seed playing a fourteen, you know anything's possible if they're if they're broke from three that night. And then Tennessee, just because they really struggle to score the ball, and when they really struggle to score the ball, bad things can happen. I'm hoping Tennessee can flip the script, can flip the script here, but we'll see what happens at the SEC tournament and get a better get a better gauge of what to expect in the NCAA tournament. And then Creighton, Creighton's been dealing with off the court uh, stuff with Greg McDermott and using the words that he did in the locker room, and he's suspended now. And so Creighton, with the distractions they have, I think Creighton's a team that's likely or, you know, high possibility of being upset in the tournament. My next question comes from Thomas Bartlett, who asked, does you kind of have a serious chance to win the Big East tournament? And uh, if you listen to my Big East tournament predictions, I actually picked UConn to win the tournament with, with what's going on with Villanova and Creighton and how good of basketball UConn's playing right now. I think UConn will win the Big East tournament, actually. My next question comes from Bray Christie one who asked, who's the scariest team outside of Baylor in the Big 12? I don't have a single answer for this one. I came down, it's hard for me to pick. I think it's between West Virginia and Texas. I think Texas, because of uh, the guards that they have, along with Jericho Sims at the five, and it's kind of similar for West Virginia because, I mean, both of these teams just have scores. They have guys that can get their own shot. I like West Virginia's size a little bit better. Their guards are a little bit bigger. Uh, I think Sherman's awesome. McBride, Sherman, and McNeil can all get hot and take over a game at any moment. So I think it's between those two teams for the for the next scariest outside of Baylor and the Big 12. Carson J. Halford asked, can Oklahoma State make a Final Four? I think they can. I think Elite Eight, Sweet 16, is probably a little bit more realistic for this team, but what's really uh, what I like a lot about Oklahoma State is the fact that, and I've been saying this on my Instagram post if you've read them, but the word to describe this team is fight. I mean, for forty minutes, this team's this team just fights. They didn't have Cade Cunningham against Baylor, and they fought hard and they led for twenty eight minutes in that game before Jared Butler hit a bunch of threes and Baylor went off offensively and Baylor took over in that game. And then we saw on Saturday them play West Virginia. They didn't have Cunningham or Likely, and they found a way to win. Oklahoma State is a really, really good basketball team. And with the way they fight and how hard they play, they're a really tough out in the NCAA tournament. So I would say it's possible Oklahoma State could make a Final Four. My next question comes from Nolan.Ashburn, who asked, What ACC team do you think will make the deepest run in the tournament? I'll pick Florida State here. I think Florida State's hard to plan for, you know, in a tournament format with not having much time to prepare for a team. Florida State has so much size, and chances are they're going to be bigger than you. And so for that reason, I'm going to pick Florida State. Uh, when they're playing their best basketball, this team can get to a Final Four. My next question comes from Joe.Deluca10, who asked, how do you think Oregon will do in the tournament? I think Oregon is a is a dark horse Final Four team. Obviously, matchups will play a part in on if I think Oregon can get to a Final Four, but if the matchups fall in the right place, I think Oregon can. This is a team that has battled injuries all year long but has been healthy now and has been playing really, really good basketball. With Chris Duarte leading your team, I mean, you have a chance. I really like the, their spacing offensively. I mean, they, they have guys who can hurt you um, everywhere on the floor. 
when when they with they when they play their starting lineup and it's positionless basketball and they're a really good basketball team. Uh, I think they're the best team in the Pac-12 and this team can do serious damage in the tournament. My next question comes from Willie underscore Chili underscore who asked, where do you see Ohio State getting in the tourney? This is another one. Obviously, matchups play a huge part. Ohio State lacks uh, true size. I mean, Liddell, Kyle Young, their biggest guys are like 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, six, so if they play teams that are huge, I mean, if they possibly faced UNC in a second round, I don't think that's a good matchup at all for Ohio State. But Ohio State has the, has the uh, capability to make a Final Four. I don't think Ohio State will make a Final Four. I think uh, I think Elite Eight's... Uh, Sweet 16 Elite Eight is probably more realistic for this team. But if the pieces fall right, they can get to a Final Four. And the last question I'll be answering today comes from Peyton underscore Oddland1 who asked, list five potential sleeper teams that could get to a Sweet 16. And so the five I came up with were Oregon, who I touched on a little bit, Loyola Chicago, UConn, uh, North Carolina, and Georgia Tech. I think all five of those teams are some sleeper teams that could get to a Sweet 16. That'll be the last of this week's College Hoops Mania podcast. I really appreciate you guys listening to this week's episode. I'm super, super excited that conference tournaments are here, and then the following week we'll have the NCAA tournament. Super excited for tournament play. It's it's the best time of the year in my opinion. Champ week is a beautiful week, and I'll be back with you guys in another week to talk about what happened in this conference tournament. And we'll have a we'll have a bracket by then, so it's a, so it's a super exciting time. And thank you for listening, and I'll catch you guys next week.